0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast. This planet is inhabited with fantasy drafts of our favorite properties and characters, fantasy casts of dream movies, hunger games, award shows, and anything else we deem to be a part of our vibe. On this planet, fantasy rules. I am one of your hosts and binger of the cosmos, Damon, and with me is my better half, the soup slut himself, Kyle. How's it going?
1: soup is back on the menu boys i'm doing well how are you my friend
0: (laughs) i am great if you can't hear it i have my adrenaline rushing um i'm currently training in my new job and uh, i just had a live presentation before i got home so i'm just like through the roof i need to chill so i'm sorry um how are you
1: man good yeah it's funny now i'm like crashing from works on the uh, opposite side side of it where i'm like ready to watch stranger things and go to sleep so i think we'll actually balance each other out really well
0: (laughs) perfect i i love that um speaking of stranger things i am definitely going to be watching at least episode one tonight because the fact that i haven't had anything spoiled yet is a wonder yeah i just know i'm gonna be a mess i'm sure that's that's all i know um But, you know, let's get to uh, our our weekly wrecks of the week. Kyle, you got anything you want to recommend to the people at home?
1: Oh, boy. Um, hmm. I haven't been watching a ton of new stuff. I have been kind of chugging along on my first-time watch of The Wire. Um, I finished Season 3, and I will say I was probably hooked by, like, mid-Season 1, Season 2. But if you're not in by Season 3, I mean, it's the Season 3 finale is just like one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever seen. I mean it's it's phenomenal. So yeah. it it's weird to recommend one of the most popular shows of all time, but if you're like Damon and myself and you've been like waiting to to finally dive into it, you'll 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 thank me if you if you get to season 3 and you'll you'll be hooked by then. I I guarantee that.
0: A certain friend of the pod is very happy to hear you say
1: that.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um Well, I I have also kind of been watching just I've been rewatching one of my comfort shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I I adore it. I watch it like every couple months and it's just so good. Um, But I did happen to get to watch the brand new show on Hulu, The Bear, with our guy Lip from Shameless. If you're familiar with him, he's just just as broody and moody and, and stressful as ever. Um, he's essentially taking over his uh, brother's uh, Chicago beef restaurant and uh, after he dies, and it's just full of tense, authentic portrayals of a kitchen. It's so well done, and I highly recommend it. I, it it's one of the shows that I just—these people feel real, and you really can't say that with every show, but like I'm like— I know someone like that. Like, those people could just walk out on the street and be who they were in the show, and I wouldn't blink an eye. So, highly recommend The Bear. Um, Go watch it. It's on Hulu. You
1: guys. There's something really interesting about the subculture of, like, the kitchen crew or, or people who cook. Like, have you seen the movie Chef?
0: I haven't. I keep, every time I pass it on Netflix, I'm like, Huh, shut Is it is it the time to watch this? It's not. It, it has not been <laughs> it's time. never
1: the time. <laughs> Do you recommend that one? It's a very good movie. Yeah. There's I, I like movies that are about like people who cook and like are really romantic about cooking and they're very passionate about it. And that's a, that's a really good one.
0: Speaking of, this past week was I believe the fifteen year anniversary of Ratatouille. Go figure.
1: Oh yeah that's right another banger
0: (laughs) another banger the kitchen life is just it's so great it's great watching um okay enough of those wrecks kyle why are we here today
1: so this is the very first episode inaugural episode in our exciting new series the nostalgia trip that's right you've been hearing ads about this series we are very excited to start this series um and yeah, you you've you heard the rundown, but essentially we are going to be, for this series, taking movies that either Damon or myself, or in this case, producer Anna H., or a guest of the pod, friend of the pod, um, have never seen, and the other people uh, have seen it, but a very long time ago. Whether that's five years, ten years, whatever, it's an arbitrary number, basically a movie we've not seen in a very long time, but that we have a lot of nostalgia for, and that we remember fondly, not fondly what have you. Um, And yeah, we decided for for this week. um, It's great timing. Um, I think it was Damon's idea to do this one. It is the 25th anniversary of the fifth element came out in 97. Um, It is wild to think it's that old, honestly, because I saw this movie at a very I mean, it's older than I am, but I saw it at a very, very young age, like maybe like four or five, I think. Um, So and Anna H has never seen this movie, so for this kind of first segment of the pod, it's just going to be Damon and I kind of talking about our memories of it and and what we thought of it initially. And then, of course, we're going to bring Anna in to give kind of her predictions on what's going to happen. And then you, it'll be no time for y'all. You'll just hear a quick break. And then for us, we're going to watch the movie and reconvene and kind of break down what our, our new updated thoughts are on it. But Damon, yeah, just hit us. What are some things that stick out from the fifth element to you? Oh, you muted.
2: How dare you, technology?
0: <laughs> um, it just everything that stuck out to me was how futuristic it felt. Okay, like this was one of my first like movies that were was a really big sci-fi movie. Okay, like this came out in '97. I was six years old. I don't know if I saw it right away, but I I remember seeing it pretty quickly. Like I'm pretty sure this hit HBO. Pretty, you know, after it came out and and so I watched it a lot, okay, and I just remembered the vibe of it. It was really fun, very bright, very futuristic looking. I mean the the flying cars is one of my favorite things in sci-fi ever. Why do we not have flying cars yet? Okay. Give me a flying car. I know it's probably like so many headaches and like how like airspace. I don't care. Give me a flying car, please. And that one of the reasons is because of this movie. Okay, another thing is Mila Jovic. Jovic. Ah, blah. Mila's hair. Okay, I love it. Super bright orange. It's it's like it, it would look bad on anyone else, but she just pulls it off. It just works. Um, and she also, you know, this is kind of a trope, right? You um have the 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 main female who's kind of either doesn't really speak a lot or they you know speak a different language but they're just badass okay they can kick anyone's ass they're just so special to the plot of course it maybe it's overdone i mean you even have that with stranger things 11 at first you know really couldn't speak but she, she's a freak and she'll throw you down a <laughs> she'll make you pee your pants right so i i always remember that um bruce willis being bruce willis is, has he ever has he been typecast probably you know he just kind of plays that that gruff kind of reluctant guy who just kind of gets thrown into it and he just deals with what's happening i really don't remember what he who he is in the movie it's i should say i should have said it the first part i don't think i've seen this movie in over 10 years at least so i really don't remember what happens other than just pieces okay bruce being bruce Chris Tucker and his opera opera scene that always sticks out okay and then the the really great uh alien lady being killed spoiler alert I'm sure you've seen the movie please watch the movie before you're listening to this (laughs) um and then Gary Oldman with the weirdest hair ever um I think this was my introduction to Gary Oldman and I didn't even realize like the significance of gary oldman until like later on when i got into harry potter and it's like oh that's the same guy and then he started popping up everywhere you know and i was like okay i I like this guy he's great you know that's that's about it for me really um what are some of the things that stick out to you kyle that you remember
1: yeah, that's kind of what's exciting with this first one is that we're kind of going off of vibes only. <laughs> like, I don't remember large plot details from this. I also haven't seen it in probably 10 plus years. Um, I was going to mention Gary Oldman, though, because I remember I that was also my first experience with him was him playing Zorg in this movie. And he's kind of known as like a guy who plays all these iconic villains, right? Like you have this, you have uh, Leon the Professional, you have all these different crazy performances. And this was one of the ones that really put him on the map. And it was certainly, yeah, my first experience with him. And he is like just so, so unhinged in this movie. Um, I, I, I loved Lilu. still do. I, I, I agree. It's the trope that's been done to death. But when it's done well, it's done well. Like, I feel like this is certainly not the first instance of it happening, but it's one that kind of sticks out and is one of the more iconic, like female, like mute female characters in sci-fi movies or sci-fi fantasy. Um, I I do remember. And I, I have since then, obviously with the internet, like I've seen, this is very much a split um, camp. I was never a fan of Chris Tucker's character. Um, what is it? Uh, Ruby, Ruby Rod. I was never a fan, um, even as a kid, which I feel like as a kid is your highest, chance of liking the character um i think he's funny but it was never uh, more more than a couple scenes now i'd be like i'm getting a headache like i'm getting this is a lot and i love chris tucker so i'm actually really excited because i feel like i might like the performance more what like what camp do you fall on with with ruby
0: so just the fact that you remember anyone's name in this movie is great because i don't remember anyone's like, I didn't mention any names beforehand. It's good to, to know their names now. Um, I liked them. Of course, it's been a while. But to me, that's just Chris Tucker. That That's Chris Tucker in almost every role. He is very loud and very flamboyant and, and just out there in your face. And he's you're either going to kind of like it or you're not, okay? This is just essentially Smokey in the opera from friday okay it's just him kind of dialed up a little just a little bit more okay this might be his most dramatic performance but you know i think it fits for what they were going for opera is dramatic as fuck okay so i i I liked it will i like it when i watch it again I, i don't know um but i remember enjoying it you know it was just that whole scene that whole vibe really like with the other with the other opera singer dying was just I felt really really done really well. So, um that's how I feel about that one. Um so, Kyle, who would you say would be your favorite character from Fifth Element?
1: uh it's definitely Lilu. i i I think Mila is like iconic. And of course, since this movie, you know, she's um, much more linked to her other big franchise. What, what is it Resident Evil? I always get Resident Evil and underworld tied up. It's Resident Evil, I think. um. She's much more tied to that. But I think that like, I don't know, it's just such a it's a badass performance. Like it, the 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 suit is iconic. That's like still a huge Halloween thing. A lot of people will cosplay or like dress up as Lilu And I just think that, yeah, she it's not an easy thing to do that kind of performance. And to really emote and like show your character through basically just body language. Um And she's great. I think she's a really, really fun character, and her dynamic with Bruce Willis is great. What about you?
0: It's definitely Leeloo, mainly because she's the one I remember the most of. Um, Just the fight scenes are great. I mean, Mila, I think, honestly, gets underrated as far as the action star. I mean, think about it. You have this. You have the Resident Evil series. You have some other movies that she's done that maybe have, hasn't been critically acclaimed. I think that she did Monster Hunter, and that got a very, very poor rating. Um, but it looked fun. It's just, you know, she's really good in that kind of role. You just believe that she's able to take down whoever she's going up against. In Lulu, though, difference than her character in Resident Evil, especially, just has this vulnerability to her, this, this softness, you know, while also just She's like, from what I remember, she was kind of scared throughout a lot of the movie, um, like a lot of gasping and a lot of like open mouth, like oh, like oh man, while still also just being able to take everyone down. Um, I, I just love Mila, can't forget her in Dazed and Confused, of course. I love I love her in that even, but that I would definitely say that was my favorite character, and I I can't wait to see how I feel about everyone else because all I can remember about Bruce Willis in this movie is just him kind of being there. I don't remember how much he actually helped her or like, because of course, okay. From what I remember, she is the fifth element, right? Like I can't remember if she was created in a lab or if like there's something to do with her genealogy, what is it? But it's kind of something futuristic or sci-fi and that's why they're coming after her. Um, That's about all I can remember from the plot. So, but she's obviously the focal point and rightfully so. I mean, she's what makes this movie, I think. Um, So, yeah, I I agree with you on that one.
1: Absolutely. Um, Okay, favorite, if you can narrow it down, favorite line from The Fifth Element that you can remember?
0: I cannot remember one line from this movie (laughs) it's been that long okay like I can picture Chris Tucker saying something like I I even remember like quoting that as a kid I cannot remember what it is and I cannot wait to to watch the movie and be like duh of course that's what it is um what about you what line sticks out to you
1: I I'm kind of the same way. I don't remember a ton. The only one that sticks out and I was, I was uh, quick to type it down so that I would remember it. Um, It's, I don't remember the context, but there's like a police officer or someone who asks Bruce Willis, are you classified as human? And he goes fires back with naturally. Anyone would say negative. I am a meat popsicle. (laughs) I just remember like that being as a kid, being my favorite thing to say in all context and that not much has changed clearly because i've never grown up but i am a meat popsicle it's the new name of this podcast
0: <laughs> i like that i definitely don't remember that but that's a classic line meat popsicle is chef's kiss um okay so what would be your favorite scene out of the movie that you can remember
1: oh man um it's like you said, like, I can't remember like specific scenes or moments from the movie, more just, I don't know, like vibes or whatever. I remember the opening is really strong because like you said, they do a lot of uh, world building and it could feel clunky at some points. But the beginning does a great job of setting up what world this is set in and like the elements and the I can't remember the race that the alien race that they're fighting um, something oceans like Candosians or something like that. They're established as a threat right away in the first scene of the movie. And I remember that being really, really strong. What about you? Good
2: question. I I almost want to say the opera
0: scene because it's the one that sticks out to me the most from my memory. So I'm going to go with that as well as when Bruce and and Lilu meet. Because I may be saying this wrong. And it's gonna be hilarious if I'm completely wrong. But like, she like falls in in her his car. Is that what happens? Do do you remember
1: that? Like, I I, just I vid- think that was it. Yeah, because okay. like the way I you said realized. that made me think of a familiar scene. So I think that's what happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that just I just vividly remember that happening and just just him being like, "What is going on?" So that in the opera scene. Okay. Um. But yeah, just anything else Kyle that you remember about the movie that you wanted to to say before we we get to Anna's lovely predictions.
1: <laughs> um yeah, I just remember like it was one Even going back, so we did a podcast, we did an episode a long time ago. It was one of our very first episodes of the podcast, like dream sequels, movies we wish had gotten sequels. And this was actually one that I briefly considered because we've never gotten, you know, a spinoff TV show or a a sequel or anything. I would love to see a sequel. I think now would be a great time with, you know, it's 25 years old. Um, It's kind of sad now because Bruce Willis has just quit uh, for, you know, really sad reasons. But they could do like a legacy kind of sequel and like pass the baton off to someone else. Um, But I'm excited about that, watching it now and to see if I still feel that way or if I'm just like, no, I don't want a sequel. This is stupid. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious. Like, I'm really excited to rewatch it because it is a very iconic sci fi fantasy movie.
2: Yes, I should say I like this movie. OK, as far as from what
0: I remember, I very much enjoyed this movie. I watched it many many times it was i just in my eyes as a kid it was one of the better sci-fi movies that i had ever seen um and then i just just got around to never watching it again lately you know and it just kind of faded from my memory but i've always thought of it fondly okay so i really hope that doesn't change we'll, we'll see fingers crossed um but yeah that, that's all i gotta say else about it before we we dig in and watch it um So if that's it, Kyle, yeah. Should we bring in
1: the H? Let's do it. Let's bring in the H. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are here talking about the fifth element. Damon and I have just kind of broken down some of our favorite memories from this movie, as, as vague as they are. And now we are joined by our lovely producer, Anna H. This week, the H stands for Hit My Line 90s Bruce Willis. Anna H, how are you?
3: Oh, I'm great. How are you, Kyle?
1: Doing great. Staying awake somehow. Um, yeah, so this is fun. You as as the the person of this podcast who has not seen the movie, has not seen the fifth element. What are some of your like what is your experience with the movie just in pop culture in general?
3: So I actually don't have that much experience in pop culture in general. What I do know about the movie is that a friend's well now husband used to be really really into it so they would joke about her wearing an orange wig um so now in my mind i just think of it as like a a sex thing even though that's totally not what the movie's about (laughs) i just imagine like there's some fifth element role play happening somewhere in the universe um
2: it's not far off
3: based, (laughs) based on the little that i know I feel like it's a mixture of Avatar the Last Airbender meets Oregon Trail meets Die Hard. Because <laughs> um, I know there's a line about, like, meat popsicles or something. So maybe there's some cannibalism happening at some point. Um, so, yeah, and I, there's a fifth element. So, like, what are the other four elements, right? Are they weird or are they just, like, the classic ones? I don't know. <laughs> um so that's sort of where I'm at right now.
1: <laughs> we were talking before you jumped on the call about favorite lines. And the only one that I could think of that I typed down was the meat popsicle line. So it makes me happy that it has reached that far.
3: <laughs> I don't even know what the line is. I just know there's something about meat on a popsicle, like meat on a stick. And I'm like, all right, well I'll just pull Leonardo DiCaprio and it pulls up or, or shows up in the movie, right? I'll just be pointing it out and be like, that's it.
1: That's one. that's the one. Um, Okay, so let's see. It's hard to do general predictions when you don't know much about like the story. You know, I'm assuming, you know, like main cast members, you know, Bruce Willis. um, Mila Jovovich. How like what do you think is going to be a standout character to you out of that main cast?
3: I feel like Bruce Willis always plays the same type of character, or at least he has in the past. I feel like Mila is probably going to be the standout based on the two that I know. Um, Predictions, I feel like Mila is going to wind up being the fifth element because she's wearing an orange wig and she's really hot. So I feel like that's how it's going to go. And then she and Bruce are going to have some sort of romantic entanglement at some point. Um, and that's really all that I know. (laughs) That's all I can really predict right now. Hopefully there's some spaceship stuff happening.
1: Some spaceship stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Damon, do you have any other, any other setup questions? This is tough. I don't want to spoil anything or give anything away.
0: Right. Um, okay. So do you think this movie is going to, what kind of genre do you think this movie is going
2: to fit in? for you
3: i think it's gonna be like a post-apocalyptic or like sci-fi kind of feel to it um based on the little that i know
2: that's a good one that's that's a good good prediction um how about
0: okay here here uh, how about this anna this is where you just could throw just any completely wild prediction just anything you think might happen in the movie whether it's something to one of the characters you think the a bear is gonna show up you think like someone's gonna <laughs> die just completely random just one prediction if you get it right you get to choose the next nostalgia trip
3: oh ooh, okay spicy um hmm. let me see here
2: i'm
3: hoping there's some sort of like B&E situation happening at some point, right? Like, they have to break in and, like, steal something or they have to hide somewhere because if there's a fifth element, like, there has to be something with the other four, right? To explain that, so that's what I'm gonna go with. That's
1: not what I thought B&E stood for.
2: Breaking in Shut up, Kyle! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, gutter mind. Gutter mind.
3: Uh, or maybe a oh. bomb. I feel like sci-fi movies always have bombs in
2: them that's a good one Bruce Willis,
3: so You're, definitely be action
0: prediction
2: right there Anna. that there will be a bomb of some sort uh okay anything else you want to guess or just any anything else about the movie you want to throw out there anna
0: before we we dive in and watch this
3: hmm
0: do you think you'll like it
3: I think I'm going to like it. Uh, The question is, does it hold up to the hype that I've heard in the background? Um, I feel like it will, because everyone talks really highly of it, of my friends who have watched it. I'm really hoping that maybe there's, like, an unhinged, like, Danny DeVito-like character just popping out of nowhere, just running around like a madman. I hope. I just want Danny DeVito (laughs) and everything. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. I don't know. It's tough because I don't know who the other cast members are, so I can't really speculate. You know, like I don't know. Daniel Radcliffe is the the capitalist entrepreneur that <laughs> that the created this a, m- t- secret mission where they uh, <laughs> they found the fifth element, right? Like I don't I don't know. I only know the two main characters.
1: <laughs> Dan Before Rad you see be him at the tender age of ten years old in Harry Potter, <laughs> see him as a seven year old in the fifth element. <laughs>
3: Listen, Tom Felton was in that one movie at like the the wee age of like 5. Oh, what was oh. it? It was like The King and I. Oh shoot, it wasn't The King and I, but it was like adjacent to The King and I, that's going to bother me.
1: I didn't realize he did anything before the Harry Potter movies. Oh my goodness. Um
3: Yeah, Anna and the King in 99. Okay, so I lied. <laughs> Close well, enough.
1: <laughs> well, no, that's that's still before Sorcerer's Stone. So, wow, that's interesting. Um all right. Well, I guess it is time to find out does the fifth element survive the nostalgia trip? We are it'll be just a second for you. We're going to go to break and we'll be right back. We will have seen the fifth element and we will be able to answer that question. We'll be right back.
2: Hello and we're back and we are
0: just taking a nostalgia trip to the fifth element, a wonderful movie from 1997 that Kyle and myself have not seen in quite some time. And we have our lovely producer, Anna H., who has never, ever seen it until now. And so, let's just dive right back into it. Kyle, let's let's just get some... your, your thoughts on watching this movie and, and what you think about it now, today.
1: So, I watched this movie last night. Uh, I started the movie... 100 sober and then about two scenes in i was like i need to be some level of inebriated for this movie because it's a lot it's it, this is a very i'll say this i think a good way of describing the fifth element is that it is is a very 90s movie for better or, or for worse and there are both of those in this movie both better and worse in this movie it's a very very much a product of its time um so it's much more enjoyable drunk. I'll say that. Uh, that's probably how I will rewatch it in the future. If I do, we'll get into that in, uh, a little bit later on this episode. But um, I am going to stick by something we said in the first segment, which is that the world building is really cool. Like the way they set things up right out of the gate. The opening was a little different from what I remembered the way I described it earlier. But I do like the way they kind of set up this like years long conflict and this... Uh, prophecy of like there's a lot of really really like stuff that could get lost in translation a lot of mumbo jumbo that like could get really clunky and 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 exposition and they do it in a way that keeps it really entertaining um so that when you do get kind of into the action with lilu falling into uh dallas's cab and like the action getting started everything kind of feels like it goes at a pretty relatively good pace. The movie kind of paces weird at some, some points it does drag a little bit, but I do think like they did a good job of setting up the, the conflict and like the, the world building is, is done really well. Um, Like I said, though, it's a very, very nineties movie. And like, there's some, maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised, but there's some stuff in here that does not age that well. Like the way that Ruby like just talks to his, I don't know if they're supposed to be his dancers or his assistants or whatever, but not not great. Um, even like Corbin trying to pull a fucking Snow White on Lilu to wake her up. Come on, man. It, at least he says right after like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Sorry. But it's just not a great look, um, which is to be expected. I mean, it's a movie that is now 25 years old. So. Um, that's just a the, the risk you run with these movies. But I do, I, I will say, I think Damon and I both mentioned this earlier. Like Bruce Willis, we did not remember a single thing about him from this movie. He's good. He's really good in this movie. I mean, it's definitely not his movie. Like Mila Jovovich steals the show, as we both remembered. But Bruce Willis is really charming and like like very fun. I mean, this is if you think about it, this is like him at the peak of his like Die Hard uh, success, and so he's very much. A bona fide action star when this movie came out, but he does a great job with that gruff, like kind of stereotypical Bruce Willis role. And he plays it really well. And he plays off of Ian Holm really well. Shout out Bilbo Baggins. Um, completely forgot that he was even in this movie. Like that was a bit of a surprise. He's great. I so one of the things I said earlier, I'm gonna address it now. I have come back on the positive side of Ruby Rod. I thought it was fun. He was like Damon said it really really well. He's just Chris Tucker playing Chris Tucker. Like that's just Chris Tucker doing his thing, being funny. Uh maybe a little over dramatic, but that's kind of what the movie calls for. It's such an over the top movie anyway. He's really fun. I thought his outfits were fucking incredible. He was serving looks with a capital L and he yeah, he's just like just takes over the screen every time he's he's in a in a scene. So, um it's a very messy movie, but I did enjoy large parts of it which i think was the best i could hope for what about you damon what were some of your your thoughts on it
0: yeah you know i I thought a lot about the same stuff really as far as what aged well and what did not the world building really i think is the strength of the movie along with the charm of lilu and corbin together um the movie doesn't work if those two don't don't click and of course even though we have corbin going in with a snow white kiss i write down why is he trying to kiss her what is going like what and i at first like i didn't get why he would save her when she falls into his taxi like she's a literal you know all he knows is she's a criminal like the police are at like literally outside of your taxi door trying to get her and he's like oh he just must really be thirsty for her so he's gonna he's gonna um You know threaten everything because he's he's already smitten as we see going through the movie very big run in the movie it's just the fact that he is like obsessed with her almost like he's already it's kind of played for a joke but when the military people are in his house his apartment thing i don't know really what, what you want to call those but like he literally puts them in a freezer i thought they died i really thought he killed them it's, like, just perfectly cool with it, too. He's like, okay, I'm going to go on that trip now. And just closes it again. I was like, are they dead? Thankfully, no. You see the guy, the leader, pop up later. I, I straight up thought they were dead for most of the movie after that. He just didn't give a fuck, either. But, like, he's like, yeah, you know, this is woman. I'm, I'm, I want to marry her, you know? It's like, I think he really means that, like, 100%. Um, so that was that, – the romance part of the movie was just – I don't know if it didn't hit for me or it was just really weird the way they portrayed it. Like it's just like a just instantly go into her. And of course, to be charitable, they kind of played up the whole idea. She is perfect. They continue to say that through the movie. But it's like, I'm pretty sure y'all are just meaning like she's beautiful. <laughs> That's what y'all keep keep saying it every time y'all look away from her when she's changing and y'all say, She's really perfect. It's like, okay guys, simmer down. Just chill um she's also clearly a genius like i love the scene where she just gives us like she's scrolling through the internet which looks like 90s internet (laughs) and she like learns martial arts and everything just by reading i I love that trope i can never get enough of the trope where people are just like consuming information at a super high speed and learns it i mean um now I i really did enjoy corbin in the movie he was very charming i mean it is bruce willis and, of course, he has a ex-wife that he's pining over. Isn't that just Bruce Willis for you? He, he's great at that. Um, and, of course, kind of like the reluctant hero, he really didn't want to be a part of this until he realized he, he wanted to uh, get with Lulu. And he just goes through all the hoops, not really sure what the hell is even going on. He's just trying to help do his job. I really liked Ruby, okay? I mean... I didn't remember much about him other than just his vibe, but like the the scene where he goes down on the air air, uh, attendant is just classic. And just like, damn, like he talks even before he's like, yeah, we're all going to get busy the whole time. It's like, okay, this dude's also thirsty. This is kind of a thirsty ass movie, I think. And, and it's like, oh damn. He's like, just the, the triple effect of him going down on her. The, the phone, the payphone exploding and them going lift off all at the same time was was great, but a lot it was, it was a bit much. Um, I really enjoyed everyone trying to get on board of the Floss in Paradise, trying to be like, I'm Corbin. I'm Corbin Dallas. Are you, though? <laughs> like, really? No, you're not. <laughs> um, it, I just found the movie really campy. OK, and I think that was I think it's best quality. Like it, it really embraced like this is this is sci-fi. It's gonna be weird and not make much sense, but we're gonna have a fun time doing it. And I enjoyed it. Ian Holm as I got some major old Ben Kenobi vibes for some reason. I don't know why. Um that's just what I got. Um oh also, I, I love the whole thing with Ruby. Like it's pretty much your super narcissistic celebrity who's just completely full of themselves and thinks Everything should be handed to him. It was done really well, I think. And Chris Tucker, I think, was cast perfectly in that role. And his go back and forth between him and Corbin, it's like, you gotta be lively. You gotta say more stuff. (laughs) And Corbin's just like, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's just like the look on on Ruby's face when he asked him to talk into the microphone, like right before the opera scene, like he's just fuming. He's just fuming. Like this, this motherfucker, he says just one word one more time. Um, also, speaking of, we got Chris Tucker in this movie. You know who else we have? We have Debo as president of the Federation Army. I saw him, I was like, wait, wait, is that is that Debo? It is Debo. And he does a damn good job of being very presidential, okay? I, you know, I just enjoyed it. And I had to say, because you did not mention him, Kyle, Korg, with his southern accent i don't know if i just never realized it as a kid because that's how i sounded or what but that was a choice i loved it Korg was just so this the slimy southern drawl crime boss and like his the way we we got to see him you know showing us like the 10 and one gun that was a cool scene and he's just you really don't get why he's really doing any of this other than just he's bad like why is he why does he care so much? It's clearly the the race of the aliens, which I don't think I, I don't know if I ever caught what their name was. Did you, Kyle?
2: Or Anna?
1: It was like a it was like a Q, like something Dojans, like quarantosions or something like that. It's it's something it's something like like that and kind of sound. I gotta look it up though.
0: Gotcha. But I like their look. I thought they were really cool, really good antagonist. Lelu is just amazing. From the moment she got 3D printed in that lab to just speaking in her divine language and learning how to speak and just being so charming, like whether she was looking scared or concerned or or smiling, her smiles were infectious in that movie. I, she was definitely the star. And Bruce did a great job of being that support. And yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I will say I remembered a lot more happening. Mondo Mondo Shawans. Was that not the name of the aliens that was trying to save them though? Or is that a different name? Because there's the big bumbling aliens at the beginning who are like the protectors,
1: which... Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's that's the Mondo Shawans. And they're like the protectors of the the four elemental stones.
0: Right. I love that trope of the big, bumbling, oversized aliens that, like, can't, like, what are they going to do in a fight? Like, they can barely move. Um, but the other the other antagonistic aliens, I really like their look. They were great. And I just, I wish more happened. It was a lot of exposition, and you get, like, the escape scene in the taxi. You get the fight scene with Lilu while the Opera is being sung, which is amazing, and then you kind of get the, you know, the, the fire showdown right after that. But other than that, it's just, just, I don't know. I just remembered like literally Lilu fighting like three or four times. I guess I just built that up in my mind because she was so fun in that one scene. Um, but other than that, I, I enjoyed it. I had a, I had a fun time, and now I'm just really, really interested to, to hear from Anna. Um, this was your first time and I just, I need to hear these thoughts. So Anna, just let us know. What did you think?
3: So I think this whole movie is just one giant fucking fever dream. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I hate it when credits are at the beginning of the movie. Um, when I haven't watched the movie before, because I literally just saw Ian Holmes face or the, his name on the credits and I I was just like searching the scenes I was like where's my boy where's Bilbo <laughs> right um but a uh, knee-jerk reaction I was like wow are we watching The Mummy at the beginning I was like what's happening here right um and this movie came out what like two three years before The Mummy came out um
1: yeah two years but
3: then they were then they were talking about the, the four elements and I'm I was just waiting for uh waiting for the uh Atla intro to start. <laughs> um and I was also very distracted with how hot Luke Perry was <laughs> in his prime at the beginning. Um and in my notes here, I also wrote Daddy Bilbo question <laughs> mark. I was like, Enol you know, was like very foxy in this movie for his age. Um but yeah, it's a very Bruce Willis movie, even like some of the quotes. Like when you see Bruce Willis on screen and he's driving in the cab and he goes, Oh, you want it soft? We'll play it soft. Wanna play it hard? Let's play it hard. I'm like, you are literally John McClain in a like dystopian future here. Um but yeah, I agree with Kyle. The the consent thing aged poorly, but it did. I was honestly getting really angry with that, but at the end, she's like, "Nope, not without my consent." And then it explains that. I'm like, "Oh, that's that's perfect." Um, so that definitely was really great. Uh, what else? I do love a girl who eats a rotisserie chicken with her bare hands. Uh, I really appreciated that. Serious <laughs> um, black representation was also matters. Very- yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, Sirius Black with a Southern accent was certainly a choice. Uh, it was very distracting between the, the haircut and the Southern accent. Um, don't get me wrong. He killed it. No, no shade to Gary Ullman, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, and I, I, first with Ruby Rod, I was a little hesitant and then I was like, oh, it's just Chris Tucker playing himself. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm on board with this. (laughs) I I think in terms of the favorite outfit of the whole movie, I really enjoyed it when they were in, like, the opera house and Ruby Rod was wearing, like, that thing with the roses. And then you just see it throughout the scene through the second half of the movie. It's just getting more and more deconstructed with the battle that's happening, which is cool. Super green. Uh, let's see. Not a lot of, like, great one-liner dialogues in this movie which I was a little surprised like it wasn't bad but the meat popsicle line was definitely the best quote from the whole movie I think um yeah that and uh Bruce Willis in like an orange crop top tank top situation was pretty great but yeah no I loved it I would totally rewatch it again I definitely think it lived up to the hype
2: nice that is good to hear i'm glad it lived up to the hype which is really hard to do for
0: some movies i feel like um so those are great thoughts i'm glad you enjoyed it because i wasn't really sure what the what was gonna that was gonna do i have to say as far as look i just i love Leelu's like orange holy suspenders um every look that she had in the movie is great just orange was the color of the movie there was a lot of orange everywhere I don't know if that was a like a choice they made or it just happened that way but I like it more orange give us more orange in movies um so with that being said let's let's just you know dive into a little bit more of the specifics okay um we went through this before uh, b- before the break our favorite character um Kyle does Lilu still hold that throne for you
1: oh absolutely um, like I said I was a little bit more positive with ruby this time and i liked corbin a little more this time but and zork zork is an incredible villain and he's carrie is just iconic but uh lilu yeah and she even like she talks more in this movie than i even remembered because i i remember it being a very much like a almost like dialogue free role where she just is it's full body language which is most of her scenes but her learning English and kind of like progressing in that way towards the end of the movie is really, really cool. And yeah, Mila is just so good in the role and is so like you said earlier, like d- depicts like Lelu's fear in a really genuine way. So like she can be funny in one scene, but you also feel really, really bad for her in this situation. Um, and then it's her connection with Dallas that actually sells it towards the end. There's a scene at the end where he's telling her like, Things are worth saving. Love is worth saving. And it's a really corny, cheesy scene. But she sells it. Like she, it's probably the most emotional moment in the movie. Because she, like Mila is just so good. So it's definitely still Leeloo for me.
2: Same. It is, it's easily Leelu. Um Everyone else definitely rose up. Now that I I watched it.
0: Corbin, Ruby, um, Ian Holm as, as Cornelius in Korg, i mean i think it was a very solid cast um as small as it was really you had you know the side guys with the aliens trying to get on the ship and and everything and you have the amazing singing from the i don't know if they ever said what race she was but the the tentacle blue opera singer was, was great I mean, great addition it was just it was fun but lilu really shone like she she makes the movie she is the focus of the movie. She is the name of the movie. Which, by the way, they say the name of the movie multiple times. And every time a Leo, Leo memed it, I'm like, yes, they they are leaning into this. She is the fifth element. Um,
2: so, without a doubt, it's it's got to be Lelou, Anna, who is your favorite character of the movie? So,
3: Lelou is actually my second favorite character. I... Never really understood why people ride so hard for Mila. But I I haven't actually watched a lot of her movies. So I guess I shouldn't say that. But I just never really understood it. But after watching this movie, I totally get it. She did not have a lot to work with. And her facial acting was on point. I have a newfound respect for her. Um, My favorite character is actually Ruby. (laughs) Um, I just think Chris Tucker sold it it was very over the top it was very chris tucker um you know he he has a very certain type of character that he plays which is himself right uh it was just very entertaining and i think if you took ruby out of the whole movie it really wouldn't have stood up to i i really think like the test of time because yes the 90s internet was cheesy and the cgi was it was great for what was it 97 right now not so much um I think there are a lot of these smart, small little choices. And I think the acting is really what makes this movie stand out the test time. And I think Ruby's character really stood out because he just went over the top. Chris Tucker just went for it. And I think if you took him out of the movie, it really would not have hit quite the same way.
2: I agree. I mean, I've completely forgot like
0: he was there at the end of the movie to help them save the universe. He's like, Corbin, I don't got any fire. What's going on? <laughs> and then so business over is like he's like I'm like I'm done with this. I'm gone. I'll save the world. I'm out. It's, he's he really did brings a lot of fun to the movie that I I think would have been lacking otherwise.
3: Father, um, oh, do I, you smoke? Who has the priest if they smoke? <laughs> Chris Tucker apparently oh
0: who knows in the 2200s i think the year was 2263 or something like that um i try to catch it when it shows the the time date in corbin's little like compartment apartment um but no ruby ruby deserves a love for this one um and anna you already mentioned your favorite line which of course was kyle's favorite line from before um i didn't even remember it uh kyle is that still number one in your favorite lines of this movie
1: I love me a good meat popsicle. Yes, let that be on record recording on this podcast. People can quote me now. Um, No, I'm going to throw out a Zorg one because it's just kind of like it's a great like you were saying. We don't really get why he's doing this. He's just bad because he's bad. But I like that. It's just it gives Gary Oldman a chance to be over the top. And he says, uh, I don't like warriors Too narrow minded, no subtlety and worse. They fight for hopeless causes. Honor. Huh honors killed millions of people. It hasn't saved a single one, which is such a like 90s Jean-Claude Van Damme over the top villain line. And it Gary Oldman delivers it so well.
0: Yeah, you're right. That was, that was good. Korg was just fun to see on screen every time he popped up. Like, okay, what's going to happen now? I I very much enjoyed it. Um, You know, this movie really doesn't have too many iconic sayings. It's like we said before, we were right. It's a vibes movie more than anything. You know, it's just you just wanted to see what they're they're up to, what's gonna happen. Um, no one feels like really in danger, but it's it's fun. Uh, I definitely think negative. I'm a meat popsicle. I think is the number one. But like like Anna mentioned in the taxi while he's running away from the cops and everything, he has a couple great lines. You know, You want to play it soft. I'll play it soft. We'll play it hard. I'll play it hard. My favorite line is is. Um, Leela's trying to talk in her divine language, and he's like, I only speak two languages, honey. I speak English and bad English. It's like, it's such a bad line, but the way he delivers it's like, that is Bruce Willis. Like, that's exactly something Eddie always says. So I got to give a shout-out to that one. Um, Anna, did you have any other fun lines that you really enjoyed other than the ones you mentioned?
3: Uh, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I love a good rotisserie chicken, so (laughs) Leela just... Pulling the chicken out of, like, the microwave or, or, um, hydrator or whatever the hell it is, um, and just going, chicken, good, like, I lost my complete shit, um, I also loved the scene with, uh, the food truck guy, I think his, like, name was Mr. Kim or something, um, And he's like, oh, you got a message. You could open it. It would be important. Um, And then he's like, the last two I got before my divorce. First one was from my wife to tell me she was leaving. The second one was from my lawyer to tell me he was leaving. And then they bet. And he's like, well, at least I want a free lunch or whatever. (laughs) After gets fired, that one was funny. Um, I did. I always love a movie that has, or a, a property that has slang in it, right? Like Firefly always has, like, cunning and this one had green so i'm definitely gonna work that into my everyday conversation now so that's great
0: yeah i think that's honestly one of my favorite things about like futuristic things sci-fi dystopian if when they add start adding stuff like you don't normally hear in conversation it's just part of their lingo it's it's always really fun my favorite is probably "frack" from battlestar galactica Uh, are you fracking me man um but the green i noticed and that was really cool like green super green like okay, okay, I, I dig that. Um, we should do like a, a a lingo, like a fictional lingo draft one day or something. I think that'd be fun. Um, oh
3: yeah, like a mini so, like a quick little rundown.
0: <laughs> exactly. There's there's Thanks. some fun there. work there. <laughs>
2: yes. That's the
3: one.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. Oh man. Um, okay, so those are our favorite lines. Now let's just talk about our, just the scene that we love the most, just the one that really stuck out to you visually or just emotionally. Uh, Kyle, uh, which one really did
2: it for you?
1: Yeah. So um, the one that like is now I'm going to f- forever associate with the movie and you shouted it out before we watched it is just the entire opera sequence. Like the scene you've got, you just asked the alien race. I looked it up. Um, you've got the... I'm going to try and pronounce it correctly. The Plavalaguna lady singing the opera. I think that's the name of her alien race. Uh, and you've got the shit going down with Lilu, And it's just... It's all very, like... Uh, maybe, like, frantic is the right word. Or frenetic. And it's, there's a lot of things going on. But I just feel like that... A lot of like our our modern blockbusters now like thrive on scenes like that where there's just all this crazy action going on and all these different moving pieces, and so it felt like a cool precursor to what we now like watch today in theaters um so that was my favorite scene
2: it It,
0: it is without a doubt my favorite part of the movie, and there's a reason why i it was one of the few things I really remembered because like for one, her voice is great, and you see like throughout the performance, Corbin's just, like, enthralled. Like, he didn't give a care about being there, but once she started singing, he's like, whoa, wow, this is special. And, like, my favorite part is, like, right when I forgot that Lelou's fight happened in congruence with it, right? Like, it ran parallel, and, like, as soon as she started fighting, the music, like, picked up. It almost kind of became, like, a dance number, and she's still singing opera to it. But just to see Lelou put in her martial arts into effect... Like, I mean, the the freaking double punch where she, like, rears back and, like, bare knuckles the bad guy and then punches the dude in front. is just, it's great. It's so fun. I love fun, like, almost comedic, like, almost silly fight scenes that also still, like, they're doing their thing. I just wish we would have saw more of it because it's so fun. Mila, Mila fighting is balletic. Is, is that how you say that? <laughs> um, it's like it's like watching someone perform ballet. She's just she's so beautiful in it, and so so forceful at the same time. So, and then of course her, you know, the the guys rushing in and shooting everyone up. I completely forgotten that. Like, I still don't get why, but she died. Like she gets shot, right? The opera singer, and she knows what's happening. She knows, like, oh, you must save Lilu and the element stones are in my body, and I'm just like, why? What, is hap- what does she have to do with... What? That's convenient. But cool, we're running with it. Okay, <laughs> get those stones out of her. That's that's just really great plot uh, convenience right there. So that, that definitely had to be my standout scene. Um, Anna, this being your first time, what was the scene or two that really just stood out to you and you would go back and revisit just for those? Okay, I'm not
3: going to pick the opera scene. Sing- scene because it's already been mentioned but it's a toss-up for me actually between two of them I really liked the chase scene in the beginning because I think it's a very Bruce Willis scene and it kind of reminded me of the Star Wars prequels um even though obviously those came out later um it it reminded me of like Anakin and Obi-Wan when they were doing that chase scene um So that was a fun throwback for me and, you know, Bruce Willis and anything action, even when he's, um, they're hiding in the taxi underneath the fog and he busts the, well, I guess he lowers the shield and then he crawls in the back to like, make sure Lilo is okay. Um, just that whole scene, you know, it had like the the McDonald's product placement, which I thought as a marketing person was very entertaining. Um, and then seeing how that transition had great, really quippy one-liners, I think I would revisit it just for that scene, but I really did love the editing of the scene that Damon mentioned earlier when, you know, Ruby's going down on the girl, they're, they're going, like, they're launching into outer space and then the, the phone booth is exploding. I think if you played all of those scenes individually, it would have been boring, but mixing them all together was very intelligent and the editing was just phenomenal. Whoever did that, hopefully they got a raise. Um, so yeah, those were my top two.
2: Hell yeah, that, that's, that scene was just,
0: I think encapsulates what this movie was. It was just a lot, a lot and a lot of fun. Um, so did we have anything else we wanted to mention about the movie before we get to the, the final most important questions? Uh, did you have anything, Kyle?
1: just more love for Gary Oldman. Like he just, the man I looked at his IMDb and there's a little, you know, that IMDb has trivia on each actor. It says like he has used a different, a slightly different variation or accent or voice for every role he's been in. And it's just like, yeah, it's not hard to believe that. Like he just, even if you look at something like Tinker, Tailor soldier, spy versus Sirius black in the Harry Potter movies, both like relatively the same accent, but he, provide a little spin on, on both of them to make them different enough. And he's just so like, it's one of those things where it's like Gary Oldman understood the assignment. Like he knew what kind of movie he was going to be in. It was a very nineties over the top campy sci-fi movies. So and he's like, you know what? I don't care that my character has no motivation or is like, has no reason to be a villain in this story. I'm just going to be a villain and I'm going to be this evil guy who has this weird haircut and a soul patch. And Bilbo Baggins is going to call me a monster. And I'm going to say, I know it's just like, it's just, he's just this over the top villain and he's, he's the best. I love him. I'm
2: so glad you mentioned the soul patch. That's in my notes. Just (laughs) it's this forward with the soul patch
0: though. It's just pristine. Okay. I, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think I pretty much said everything I, I, I wanted to say. It's, it's just, I love the camp. I really did love that they embraced it. Um, Anna, any any last thoughts?
3: I did find out something problematic like mid-movie because I was watching it with my father who always has like a million questions, like, oh, who's that actress or who's that actor? Um, so I guess Luke Besson and the woman who played the, the diva, the blue alien, we're in a relationship that like met when she was like 12, she had their child when she was 16 and then he met Mila and then they broke up. So like, that was, that was an interesting piece of trivia. I don't think it's a good piece of trivia, but there it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, other than that, I think this movie was great. I'm glad this was the one that we kicked off nostalgia trip with. I, you know, I, I, i have no notes everything was perfect 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 perfect
2: so you you did say
0: it before but just want to confirm did the fifth element live up to the hype
3: absolutely totally lived up to the hype
0: love to hear it love to see it kyle for this did the fifth element survive the nostalgia trip
1: The fifth element survives the nostalgia trip. I will say I want to see it remade, which is not something I typically push for with movies. Um, I think this is a perfect example of a movie that should be remade because it's a really fun movie, but there are definitely things that have not aged well. So if if we, you know, put like Taika Waititi on this or someone else who like brings a very campy, high energy kind of comedy action movie, I would love to see an updated version of it. Otherwise, it absolutely passes and survives the nostalgia trip. What about you, Damon? Does it survive your nostalgia trip?
2: So,
0: y'all know me as the person who pretty much loves everything, okay? I'm not hard to please. Uh, We had a fun conversation about this last night, the the three of us and the rest of the Ratbirds. Just like, oh, yeah, I I don't like something. I I don't like Teen Titans, the animated series. And it's like, it's very shocked, but also proud of me because I, I don't like everything, um while I enjoyed this movie I don't think it survived the nostalgia trip for me. Um I think it's just maybe because of what was built up in my mind as what this movie was. I felt it was more of a like an almost like an adventure action romp when really it was just like I said before just not too much really happens. You know like you only have really like two big set pieces um they're they just kind of go from from Kirk Corbin's place to getting into the false paradise. And that's really about it. I would have loved to see more action, like more of the aliens almost getting them, maybe even another chase scene or something. I really thought the chase scene was really fun and innovative. Um, I think I just I was asking too much of this movie. And that's all me. My expectations of the nostalgia was a bit too high and for that i i think um i don't know if i'll take this trip again so i i, I blame myself
1: <laughs> i blame myself that's okay that's i'm actually looking forward to these nostalgia trips where we'll have like we'll see different perspectives on it like the, the person who's never seen it seeing how it holds up for them versus someone who do i still hold it no- i actually wouldn't even say I hold nostalgia for it now. Now that I've watched it again, it's just like, oh, this is a fun, campy movie, and it's not really a part of my childhood. It's just a fun, campy kind of throwback to old sci-fi that I I liked. Um, But we also have one more, before we get out of here, one more order of business. We hope you all enjoyed this first episode of Nostalgia Trip. We did have a prediction from Anna H. in our first segment, and that was basically that there will be a bomb in some capacity in this movie. There is indeed a bomb in, in some capacity in this movie in a big way. Uh, and that means that Anna gets to decide what our next nostalgia trip will be. So let the people know, Anna, what's that next movie?
3: Ooh, spicy. Um, Shark Week is coming up. So I think we have to go with Jaws. <laughs> no, then... no, <laughs> Should I sing the Baby Shark
1: theme song, or should we save those ears? No, <laughs> oh, none of that. None of that. No, that's right. Jaws is coming up, so you know we didn't really um, give you too much uh, heads up for this one. You have the heads up here. Watch Jaws if you've never seen it. You know, watch it. If you've seen it, but it's been a long time, like like Damon and myself, watch it and and see if it holds up for you. See if Spielberg. I Spielberg's one of his most iconic movies to this day. Um, it's considered the first ever summer blockbuster. So this is a really big one. Like Fifth element was a good way to start this series because it's a nostalgic pick, but it's not like a huge iconic movie. Jaws is huge. Like it's a huge movie. so the, the the danger of it not holding up is much more real. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if it survives that nostalgia chip. But, for now, we are going to sign off. We'll be back next week with a big one. It is the Effies for Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um, so stay tuned for that. But tell then, we'll catch you on next week. This is what we do.